going on, everybody? Welcome back into the Dogs Basketball Podcast. No fight song once again. What is that? For the last five. Again, it's an unfortunate little stint of our season. I am Mick Malone, joined by Noah Lurch. Uh, no, I was able to watch this game. You weren't, or you weren't able to, but I can tell you that it was ugly at times, and obviously you can go through the box scores and everything and find out any recaps. Um, definitely was an awful second half for us. What's going on? Yeah, it's uh, definitely, it sounds like I did not miss much of a game. Um, the way, uh, what I read of what everybody's reaction was and uh, talking to you a little bit yesterday about it. And uh, yeah, just a little box score watching and uh, kind of t- keep track of it during the game. But uh sounds like they did not, not find any, build off any consistency from the win at home last week. No, it was honestly a weird game overall. We know we don't play well at Carver Arena outside of the one win last year. Uh, yeah, it was it was a, it was a game where we had a, a lot again more bench production, and a couple of our starters were again no shows. We'll dive into all of that in this seventy to sixty two defeat by the surging Bradley Braves. They've they've won a lot of games, or they have had a lot of games close. We know they blew the Illinois State game, and there was a point in this game where. I mean, the commentators were saying that, you know, it was about the same, or I think it was uh, Harvey Dent that said they had the same amount of lead at one point that they did against Illinois State and blew it. And we kind of, we fought back near the end, but wasn't enough. We'll dive into uh, the recap of this, and we'll and we'll preview the Loyola Ramblers. They get them two times in a row, and also some around the valley stuff. But no, let's kick off with news we saw, what was it, it was on Saturday, about pretty much official confirming, even though it's not officially confirmed, by uh, the Missouri Valley yet, or UIC Athletics, but no, it looks like they are here, and that is via a couple uh, people, Matt Nor- Matt Norlander of CBS, and obviously John Rothstein as well. Yeah, it's big time, uh, great news that uh, we're getting back in staying, or staying, getting back, staying in that Chicago market, um, getting a, a decent program, they've had their struggles here recently, but they got a, they get a coach, that, they just hired a new coach a couple years ago. And he's got a decent staff, and they're trying to build in the right direction. And, uh, yeah, it's one of those uh, you, that you stay in that market, and that's what we need to do when it gets us back to 12 teams. And uh, hopefully joining the Valley can uh, build their start building their program just like um, Loyola's did. Yeah, and didn't you say right before we got on here that their coach has experience with Shaka Smart and uh, John Beeline at Michigan, right? Yeah, he spent uh, he's before he went to Texas to be the associate head coach at Texas under Shaka. He was a uh, assistant coach under Beeline, but prior to that, he was on uh, Dan Muller's staff at uh, Illinois State. Yeah, Dan Muller, and we'll also get to uh, around the Valley uh, coaches press conference that they had every Monday. We'll dive into some teams there and Brian Mullins, who was on there, and Dan was asked about how cool it is having UIC. Uh, for the most part, and saying how he has another uh, coach in the Valley, whether it's a head coach or in general. We were trying to dive into who that other coach is. Maybe Dana Ford. We know he played there. Not sure if he was under Dan at any point. We know Brennan Mullins we got from him to add to Brian's staff. So not sure who that second guy is, but it's interesting because Dan Muller's been dogged for a long time, or especially in the last however many years after he had some good years. And he has he has his own little coaching tree. It's interesting, but... Uh, yeah, all of that, a uh, decent coach. We know D. Brown, a fighting Illini legend, is on that staff as well. Uh, but there was, a, yeah, there was a source that told Matt Norlander that it's a done deal. Uh, the Valley's constitution and bylaws were reviewed in recent days at that point by USC officials who have been sent 
a memorandum of understanding, UIC will join the Valley on July 1st, 2022, which before we know it, that'll probably be here. And, and them and Belmont and Murray State will be official, officially in. Uh, it also says NOAA Valley representatives toured UIC's campus on January 9th, as we knew, and we're, and we're sure to move quickly on finishing up this round of expansion. UIC will join alongside Belmont Murray State, which are leading OBC, and accepted invitations recently. The move is happening now because the Conference Commissioners Association has a meeting planned in Naples, Florida, for every February, and the league, in part, wanted to formalize this in advance of that. And it goes on to talk about, obviously, Loyola leaving and staying in the media market of Chicago, which is our conference's largest media market, of course. Uh, so, yeah, Noah, and we talked about before that they are a great university overall. They probably they have huge alumni, huge uh, uh, undergrads, huge, obviously, standing of amount of students now. Uh, and their, you know, their facilities are great, aren't they? Yeah, it's a it's it's great to great to add another facilities and stuff like that, and uh, I think it's it's a kind of a, probably I'd say more of a a project ad that them co- coming to the valley is going to help them further their not only basketball program but their other sports as well. Um, I think their best. Um, I remember talking about it a couple or a couple months ago that uh, when we were talking about. Um, other other schools we're looking at. I think baseball really pretty good in baseball, so that's going to help that out as well. Yeah, somebody posted about the the backdrop for their baseball team is incredible. It's right there by the skyline of the city, which is cool. And yeah, they have 18 NCA sponsored sports that they're bringing here. And quote, it certainly brings a different dimension to the profile of the league than it's ever had. And it mentioned all of their previous success being an NCAA tournament's been since 2004. They were in there. They were in at 98, 2002, and 04, uh, and they've been uh, on the hor- or in the Horizon League for a little over 20 years. So, yeah, it is a really good ad, and they lost recently. They lost the other night to Wright State. Um, so they're kind of still scuffling, but, yeah, we, as soon as they hit this conference, they're going to uh, get better recruiting, we're hoping, and just overall they're going to get the exposure they haven't gotten uh, in the Horizon League here. So it, it's great for that university, and it really it's great for the Missouri Valley. We can't wait to have them. So, um, like we said, that's the uh, reporters. It hasn't been made official by the uh, conference or UIC themselves. So, whenever that happens, we will discuss that uh, when it happens. So, uh, stay tuned for all of that. Now, Noah, this Bradley game. Like I said, it was a weird game. Uh, it was another game where we didn't look great in the first half, but then we managed to only have it a four-point deficit which I remember tweeting that, you know, we have a recipe to win, and that's whenever we were having takeovers by Kyler and such, and our bench was doing pretty well. And you mentioned Lance having a good game, and he did. Uh, we'll dive into all that with a couple of takeaways, Noah, but obviously if you go by the uh, play-by-play to get us started here, how'd this game start out? Yeah, it started out with uh, what you said was a kind of a touchy foul on JD right away from the get-go. Um then uh, looking at it, it started miss jumper by Terry Roberts, offensive rebound. Um, you said exactly, it's not exactly how it played out, but it said also says uh, miss jumper by Jason Kent. He, you said he took it away from JD a little bit, then uh, got a backdoor cut for Jason Kent to start us out, start him out. Yeah, I think it was Cash that got beat backdoor, mast had JD in the post, and just easily uh, had him backdoor for a, for a nasty duck. Yeah, it was weird uh, because SAU had two opportunities to get the ball on a defensive rebound. J.D. had it, and Mass took it away from him, and then another time Steven had it uh, along the three-point line, trying to save it out of bounds, and I guess he lost it back out of bounds, so they got that extra opportunity. 
and then scored. Yeah, they went on a 15 to five run the first four minutes of the game. Uh, that must be a lot of balls. So let's let's get into how that run happened, Noah. Yeah, uh, r- right after that, all that happened. Uh, JD answered with a good basket. So back to back games of JD uh, starting out with a little bit of offense to get us going. Uh, then, but uh, looks like another mislay by uh, mislay by Terry Roberts, but another offensive rebound by Rink Mass. So not good starting on the boards. And it looks like an offensive foul call on Marcus to um, answer that. Levy Leon's got going a little bit. Then Rink Mass. Continued to do uh, a steal by Jason Kick, got Mac, Mast, another jumper, then uh, another rebound, then Rink Mast hit a three to make it 11 to 2 to get us a 30 second timeout. Had, Brian had to call a timeout. Yeah, and even we talked about how we are out of timeouts, you know, throughout obviously to stop momentum or at the end of a game to drop a play. Uh, but then Billy uh, uh, Tabanine, I finally thought of it and had to pronounce it after hearing it again. Uh, he got in the game and had a jumper right after Lance out of the timeout hit a three to cut it to six. Uh, to top of nine, and every time I'm going to say it, I'm going to think about if I'm pronouncing it wrong. But he had a nice short jumper, I believe, that Terry Roberts, who almost had was on triple double watch near the end of the game, he was incredible. But he and he had a fast break jumper right after when they got the ball back after Cash missed a three. Cash did not make a field goal in this game. He was not good. We'll jump into him. Uh, but then Marcus had a layup on the other end, cut it to 15 to seven after that 15 to five start. Uh, yeah, Roberts and Mass were the main source of their offense to start out with, mainly outside, like I said, a Kent, a Kent dunk and a Billy uh, jumper. So the first at the at the under 16, yeah, it was 17 to seven, not looking great. But Dalton had a three, which was huge. I believe it was a corner three once again. But Troy got in right before this, subbed out for Cash, and Troy was really good in this one. Uh, Lance had a jump shot, cut it to five, and there were two back-to-back jumpers to cut it to three. But then Terry, of course, goes down and makes a three, so now it's back to six. Uh, Dalton had a jumper that was mashed by uh, Tabanainen, and then Noah Kyler with a jumper. And we'll get to it more of Kyler's ability to flip a switch, it seems like, at points of this season. And Brian was asked about him at the presser today about his emergence because they count on him offensively for sure. Yeah, he's a uh, – we know we we know coming into the season, I think we'll maybe mention it later, um, but uh, a lot of high expectations from him coming off a really good freshman year, and uh, we expected big things from him. And uh, he, he, he started – just like Dalton Banks, he's, they both started slow this season, but they're both coming on really really nicely. And Kyler, he's, a, he's that guy, and we need that low post guy we can – sometimes give the ball to go get a basket and he's just coming on nicely and um probably get into it later but um rotation wise he probably could slide in the starting lineup anytime but we'll get into that shortly yeah and just feeding off that real fast how since he's hot and jd has kicked us off offensively but he doesn't sustain it really um that if you have a worse offensive guy even though a better defensive guy off the bench could hurt your bench in a sense and i doubt Brian goes away from it in that sense. We're hoping that he does switch stuff up because, yeah, he has mentioned it before that he wants to. And it's great seeing Kyler and Dalton knowing that they came in together. Their families are close. Uh, seeing them both flip a switch here in the season is, is really good to see. Uh, obviously, we're going to need them. Yeah, we did have expectations for both of them and awful starts for both. But if they're going to turn on here in the middle of the conference season and moving forward, it'll be the key to us uh, getting back in the wing home in a lot of these. So, yeah. As soon as Kyler made one Trent at the under 12, I remember tweeting, 
they bailed Bradley out with a foul from Trent, a really touchy, another touchy foul that even Trent couldn't believe. Uh, but then uh, Tabanani came down with another three. Of course, he kills us. Uh, so we were down seven at this point. And then, no, this stint right here, Kyler missed a jumper. Uh, well, Marcus was subbed out at one point, or at this point, came back in. Uh, Kyler missed a shot in the paint, but Noah Troy, who obviously with his big frame, we need to see more of this than we have for the most part at times, uh, had an offensive rebound, missed it, or passed it back to Kyler. He missed it again. Troy got another offensive board, then had a layup of his own. Noah, that, it, it was nice when you were, when we was watching it that uh, that was a big point in the game that I honestly swung the first half, it seemed like. Yeah, Troy, his energy and what he's doing off the bench, he's doing those little things. He's doing the dirty work, and that – under under this kind of on this team, that's what it's going to take for a freshman to get on the floor. And he's just he's continuing to build better and better games, and he's doing more. And he should probably maybe see more time as well. Yeah, and we even go through, and we'll get to it at the end of what we think the minutes should be. Me, you, and I discussed that yesterday, so we'll go through that after this, along with our takeaways. But yeah, as soon as that happened, and then Kyler got on the board, so we're down by three at the nine and a half mark, uh, and then both teams go about a minute and a half without scoring until Terry. Terry and Lance trade buckets, so it stays at five at seven and a half. Mark Marcus uh, went one for two at the line. Again, it's inexcusable when he misses free throws. He should not. He should be one of the best free throw shooters in the Valley, maybe even in the country. Seems like he should be, but he's been struggling there lately. And then Lance had a three. Every time Lance scored, it seemed like Robert scored, and those two were getting getting after each other in this game. Both played well. So we're down three at the five, at the six-minute mark. Again, no no points for almost a minute. And then masked, uh, easy jumpers, cut it to five. Marcus finally made both his free, shows, free throws, cut it to three. Uh, media timeout, the under four. And then to end this first half, Lance, couple big free throws, cut it to one. Again, we never would have said we never grabbed the lead in this game, which was unfortunate because at this point in the first half, it seemed like we could and we're going to. But as soon as we think we can, we can't get a stop. Mask with a jumper. Uh, and then don't mask. Marcus cut it to two once again, had a free throw down by one. Uh, well, he could have, yeah, good free throw. I think he missed one of them as well, or he made both, cut it to one. And then uh, top of nine, of course, under a minute, uh, nails a three. Uh, and that's the final or final scoring by the end of the half. So we're down we're down four. And thinking of takeaways from it that guys like Leones, who they're pronouncing, and Boya Noah, who didn't, he had a block here at the end. But he didn't do a whole lot until the second half. We'll jump into that, but... Uh, it was there for the taking again, I, and I tweeted like it was. We had a recipe. If we give it to Kyler in the paint, and you know we we've talked before on honing in on Roberts and making him make tough shots, but he was too slippery around screens and was able to get his easy jump shot. And it's hard to stop Mask. We remember talking, or I'd said before this that uh, it seemed like last year when Kyler and Mask faced off, that they kind of like uh, you know worked each other a little bit. Like, and that's how it looked in this first half. You know, Mask did a whole lot more and was better. But he couldn't guard Kyler at times either. It was fascinating. And obviously we said after both their freshman years that we're going to have great careers as big men. That still could happen. Definitely will happen on mass end. But yeah, no, a four-point deficit at the half. Yeah, obviously, like we said from the get-go, I didn't I didn't get to see any of this game. But um, looking at the – just jumping into the box score for halftime, uh, um, looking at the team stats that take – what I took away uh, following along the game um, – um, six turnovers in the first half was not good. Um, we out-rebounded them by one. Um, we got good bench points again. We 11 bench points in the first half, so 
That helps out that uh, Lance Lance got going, but Marcus did not. Didn't we didn't shoot very uh, awful. We shot fifty four and a half percent from the field goal and fifty. We only shot six threes, which is which I like. Um, we need to attack more. Three of six from the three point line, then seven of thirteen from the line. That's not good. They didn't even shoot a free throw, so you obviously outdid them there. But fifty three point eight percent from the line is not good. No, and it's getting to the point where, again, I've used this word a lot, it's inexcusable, almost missing as much as you made from the line. It could have been the difference, obviously, we talked. It was kind of a weird half, but we were only down by four with Maston Roberts just killing us. Yeah, they did shoot a free throw, and that says a lot. Neither team got in the bonus. There were bad, touchy fouls, but it never really got as bad as the previous games in that regard. Both shooting almost exact, yeah, 55% from the field, and it was just weird. But I think it... From the free throw shooting, and yeah, we only had two more turnovers than they did, but I think that uh, six turnovers is not obviously where you want it to be at halftime. Yeah, the bench outscored theirs barely. Uh, we've noticed recently there's not a whole lot of fast break points in games. Usually a lot of uh, uh, half-court offense and stuff, but uh, we did have three steals, so going to the box score of who had those steals, not surprised that Lance had two of them and Cash had one. Uh, so, no, let's jump into some of these players of the first half. Jump into it first, we'll start out with the guys that let us down in the first half and let us down in this game and have let us down recently, whether they're hit or miss, or in Cash's case, it hasn't really been a whole lot. I don't think he's cracked 10 points in a couple games at least. We know Steven had a good game the other night. We know it's zero points by both. Steven didn't even shoot. He played only six minutes. I think there was a reason. I wonder what his plus minus would have been. Again, defensively, I think he's taken a little bit of a step back, unfortunately, and we can't afford that as well. But Noah Cash... He's really not doing great on defense one bit watching him, and then he loses it a lot. Uh, he only he had one turnover in 12 minutes, but it doesn't seem like Cash is uh, comfortable or he seems uninterested a little bit because he, he isn't doing or isn't as effective as he was to start the year. It, it, and it's honestly it could be our downfall. We know he, he obviously has to be key in these next two games. Both of them do. Uh, but, no, if they don't play well, we'll get to the final box score, but so far in this game it was bad. If they don't play well, no, we're not going to win because when you have it on the shoulders of Marcus and Lance, and if, well, granted, if Kyler can come in and score and Dalton can, you know, even things out a little bit, it, it might not still be enough if those guys don't contribute. Yeah, especially if those two aren't going to contribute. You need uh, you need offense. You need Trent to come in there. Maybe Anthony give you give you some offense, and obviously that's where Ben Harvey would have came in. He, he could have gave you some points. Um, still unsure about his status, so we expect him to be out for the year, but – I said it. I said it about Cash after the Indiana State game. Him and Marcus. That these last three games, Cash is just kind of looks like you said, like uninterested maybe. But to me, he looks a little gassed. I know he only played 12 minutes in this first half, but he looks a little tired or worn out or something. But maybe he is. Maybe it's just he's a uh, he's he's becoming lazy and having some bad habits. And uh, yeah, he didn't make a field goal in the first half. 0 for three. I think he. I think he looking at the final. I think he ended up like 0 for eight. But um yeah steven and cash um especially steven we talk about it here we are talking about it because you know what's going to happen tuesday night now he's going to have a really good game we're going to be like okay maybe he can build off that but uh if those two can't get going maybe it's time for a lineup change we'll get to that a little bit later but um we have to have these two to be big it's just if they're i mean steven has to he he needs to be he has to shoot the ball I don't care if he's missing. I don't care if he's going 0 for 8 like Cash did. He has to shoot the ball. He's the best shooter, one of the best shooters in the Valley, not the whole country. And he's it, he's he disappears at times, and and it's not good. 
No, and I think they should draw up plays for him or get him more involved instead of just, you know, we know a lot of our offense is through Lance and Marcus and obviously the, the base set that we have. But they got to draw more. Like, Steven seems like he always just gets his own shot because either he gets a loose ball and it just so happens to go to him for an open three or something. Like, nothing designed. And you're right. He's top, I'd say, top three or five best shooters in the Valley at his peak, you know, of, of just pure shooting ability, it seems like. And if not the country, I would agree. I mean, he led the Valley in three-point percentage. And granted, yeah, we've said he doesn't even have a, you know, as much attempts as maybe the other guys that shoot. But it, it, he, it, and we talked about it, it's so game-changing. It was game-changing in Indiana State. Um, it's just the inconsistencies are getting out of hand, really. And like we said, we can't really afford it at this point in the season. Cash, remember saying at the beginning of the year that he was rushing shots. He wasn't, like, getting in the flow of the offense and, like, you know, like, yeah, forcing those shots. And even you can tell at times – even shots that he's open with, he doesn't shoot because he's thinking, ah, I should shoot this because, you know, I'll get taken out or it's not what we need to do. A lot of these guys go through the motions a lot. Uh, but the fact that Cash passes up better shots than he takes a lot of the time, um, and his three is definitely not falling right now. Just overall, we know he's rebounding, but that's not what he's here to do. He's not here to just rebound, even though it's pivotal at times. But against these great teams, he has to score but if, if he's not – because he can't create a shot on his own, he's got to rely on the three, which I don't think is his game. I think he's shot pretty well in his career leading up to being here, but this is a different ball game. I, and I'm like, you were at Little Rock and you were playing that competition overall and in general and in that conference, you, and he didn't last at UNLV. So it's like, man, this is a conference that will beat you up and not let you do a lot of the things. But he dropped almost 30 against Tulsa. Tulsa's a bottom feeder, the American – but obviously that's a you know a decent program to our standards. So it, it, it's just consistently, and that's the thing that will drive this team potentially in the end because you've got to rely on your top guys, but you've got to have contributions, and you've got to have consistent contributions, and that has not been the case. So both scoreless at the half here. Lane. Yeah, really quickly, was yeah. it – was uh, just looking, uh, watching, uh, was was the matchups, was it Connor Hickman on Steven? Yeah, I think they were that, That's unacceptable. He should be able to attack off the dribble like he was against Indiana State and score over Connor Hickman. No offense to Connor Hickman, but that's how good Steven can be, and I, I, that's unacceptable. Yeah, I think there was a lot of – we did a lot of switching on our end on defense, but, yeah, in their regard, I'm trying to think. Like, Kent was on Marcus a lot, which rightfully so. Uh, Roberts and Lance. Other than that, it was a flip-flop of anything. Uh, Tabanainen uh, was on him and Hickman. Yeah, Hickman – didn't do a whole lot in this game, I don't believe. We'll get to it, but yeah, he was doing it against who? Like he was doing it against Cooper Nice. He was doing it against guys in Indiana State that are better defenders and better players than Hickman. We'd like to think, yeah, that is inexcusable. I didn't even think of that in regards to him taking the ball, but he just can't, didn't get the chances. I mean, he has zeros across the board in six minutes, just absolutely unfathomable. And JD, like we said, don't count on the score, but if he can set the tone on. I think they honestly might go to him because he's been kind of post-scoring. I wonder if they just go to something that the other team was not expecting. It's interesting. Uh, but, yeah, Marcus seven and Lance was perfect from the field. Missed one free throw, 14-3-2. You couldn't ask much more from him and two steals. I mean, he was perfect in the first half. And Kyler with four. Troy with two off of uh, those off. He had three boards and a lot of those offensive. And then, yeah, Dalton with five. They were key points as well in 15 minutes. So, uh We'll get to yeah what the lineup should be moving forward, Noah. So how this second half, this awful second half, kicked off? Yeah, just like the first half, not a good start. I think they jumped out to 11-2 run, and we got down at one point. It was um, looking at it here, 40-42 to 34. So uh, that's not good at all. So it's 
it's uh, not a good start. Looking at what happened here, looks like a missed jumper by Marcus Damask, a miss rebound by Kyler. So Kyler got another chance at it, kicked it out to Lance. It looks like um, little little stretch here. Nobody scored till the eight eighteen twenty nine mark when free throws by uh, Leon's um, kicked it off. Yeah, I don't know. It, people have said Leon's, but there's no emphasis on the O or the E. So we're just gonna keep it at Leon's. Yeah, he didn't like. He didn't really make a difference in this game, but he's got. I mean, he had a couple, couple stuff. But he's and they talked about on the broadcast that they are literally a. Uh, or he is a match. It can be in the matchup nightmare, and they they look to his future and what he can be. But he should be that player now, and he has at certain times this year. But needs to do more, in my opinion. But real quickly, thinking about. I don't mind. We'll have takeaways at the end about you know the frenetic pace that should favor us in these games. So yeah, that did happen. But yeah, we didn't score until Marcus had a jumper, but before we know it, we were down by nine. Thanks to Leones, who had a three. Uh, of course, I just said that he had a couple free throws and then a three, so he had five early points. But we're allowing offensive rebounds by Connor Hickman at this point that led to another mass layup. That is just, again, unacceptable. Uh, and then he also had a layup, so next thing we know, we're down, down by 11 at the 16-22 mark. A couple free th- or a one for two, or an and one finish from Hickman. Uh, Marcus one for two from the free throw line again, so we're down 11. And the league got as much as 11 again. It was 50 to 39 at the 4:43. Cash made a couple free throws in between that, but then there was no scoring until 13:09 when Lance hit a fast break jump shot, cut it to nine. And this is where we said, you know, this is the point of the game. Even Brian was waving him to go as soon as we got defensive boards to go and train or try to get him in transition, try to get early in the half court. To get something because time really is not on your side at that point in the game. But Boya had a layup here. Noah Boya with a difference maker in the second half. We'll get to something else he had. Uh, he was a mismatch. We didn't see any of him really last year. And he is definitely a mismatch for a lot of teams in the Valley. Uh, but then Kyler had two layups of his own in between a mass jump shot. They kept it at nine points. But Kyler had an and one actually made his free throw. And I think he had a couple more free throws we'll get to. Uh, top of nine with a three. So... But we cut it to 10. They cut it, made it 13 now. Marcus had a jump shot, and Boya had a jumper. No, this is when it was a, a nasty alley-oop from Hickman. That really, you can't really get in Boya's way there. He's strong. He's he's big. He's seven foot, whatever they said. So it was a 13-point lead at that time. Yeah, I think I mentioned to you, this is the time I got back to the, after the playoff game, I got back to the car, and I turned it on. I seen the alley-oop, and I immediately turned it off. I didn't want to watch anymore. I was already as mad as I was. And, uh, yeah, it's it's – Boya is a mismatch for most. Uh, he's his, he's an athletic freak. Um, he's hoping maybe something Scotty Abube can be, some guy like that, maybe potentially down the road, um, would be a good a good guy to be like in the Valley. Um, but uh, yeah, just an off, awful defensive half so far. Um, not getting it done from either end. But uh, yeah, it's struggling getting down 13. And like we've been saying all year, this this team isn't isn't built to come back from leads they have but uh we get close and we just always fall short yeah it's tough to say if we even play good with a lead we can go back to the Creighton game and obviously some of these other games we haven't been able to hold a hold a late lead but you're right I mean we're good shooters it's just how our offense runs and you know how uh, whatever our guy, aggressive our guys can be which can be which can fluctuate along with the inconsistencies, that is hard. So it's kind of weird. We have to almost play like a tight game throughout. Because I wouldn't say we're good against with a big lead. I mean, Evansville game proved that. Uh, and then, obviously, yeah, playing from behind isn't great either. And, but Bradley, 
played really well in this game, definitely in the second half, yeah. So the lead got up to at least it was around, it was around uh, Troy had a good a couple good free throws. He's a good free throw shooter, but he also had a layup. So he had five straight points here. Uh, and after his free throws, it was a seven-point game. And then Hickman made went one for two from the line. Uh, Roberts, I mean, they just made all their free throws. And Roberts definitely made all of his. Uh, so it's nine nine point lead at 30 seconds left. He made another one, cut it to 10. And then Steven, of course, had a layup at the very end of the game. And we were trying to shoot all these threes to get back in it. Uh, and then we were done foul. But yeah, Steven had a late layup to cut it to eight. And that's how it ended. Yeah, we can honestly, a terrible, what was it again? It was a, uh, it was a, 10 to 2 run that they had yet to cut to make the lead 12 at one point. That's whenever we couldn't couldn't get stops and we couldn't match them. It was really unfortunate. Uh, we'll get to some quotes here. Now let's jump into that box score though. Yeah, jumping into the final box score. If you if by the tell looking at it when I um, looked at it there, um, if you're looking at team stats, what told me the ball game right away was when I looked at it and uh, we shot 13 of 22 from the line. That's the game right there. Um, if we can't be more consistent, 5-19 and 19 from 3 um, for 26%, that's not going to cut it either. Um, only had uh, We had 6 at halftime, only 4 second-half turnovers. Um, we cut down on that. But uh, offensively, looking at Lance, Lance was a leading scorer. 19 points, 6 rebounds, only 2 assists. 3 steals, though, so he's continuing to lead the league in steals. 7-12 um, shooting, 3-5 of five from 3, 2-5 of five from the line. He talked about that with Mike after the game, about free throw shooting. Um, but uh, this is one of the positives from the game. Lance is, Lance is starting to look more like himself. Yeah, and he lived up to uh, one of our dogs at the game because I mean, it's always going to be Marcus and Lance, it seems like. If your best players don't show up, uh, you don't win. And they both had 35 combined, but we did, or 33 combined. But we, yeah, we didn't win. And Lance played one of his best games of the year, 100%, led us in rebounding. And it seemed like he had timely scoring. He, you know, he had some, had a nice effortless three at the top of the key at one point. But yeah, his assists aren't going to be what they need to be, and that's where Dalton should come in. Dalton didn't have any in this game, but to have that sidekick in a sense of how they both play. Marcus fouled out in this game with three turnovers. Uh, yeah, he's ended up shooting four for ten, so he was contained once again. Jason Kent did a decent job. And then in general, Marcus couldn't get a lot of his shots a lot. And yeah, he missed two at the free throw line. He should be perfect every game. Um, Anthony got in this game. He only had five minutes, but he did not play good. He missed a shot. He missed a jumper that masked. It looked like he, he gave to him. And then uh, missed two free throws and then let up on defense at times against Mass. So Anthony, it's either Anthony will have a great offensive game or all-around game. He's inconsistent too, but when he does get in, granted, he doesn't play a lot. You know, they expect him to come in and do what he does in other games in these small spurts, but he didn't play like if he didn't play really, he didn't play good at all in that stretch. Um, so it's tough. It's a, I'm not going to say it's a tough ask from Anthony because he should be ready to go. He's healthy now, and this is his final season. We were hoping to have a, a really good season from him coming back because he ended the season so well last year. So he's been hit or miss. Uh, Dalton didn't score in the second half, it looks like. But he had 26 minutes of decent defense. It just, you know, he didn't have – enough to help out in the regard. Yeah, Trent, only 14 minutes, only had that one three shot, but he did have four fouls, uh, all touchy fouls. Like I said, uh, Kyler had nine points. He shot 50%. Mass made it tough on him at times in 20 minutes, but Noah Troy 
six points in 23 minutes. He was key down the stretch. He really has been lately. Uh, and then, so we'll get to in a second. Steven and Cash combined 70. Yeah, Cash 0 of 8 from the field. So, he, I mean, 0 for 4 from 3, but he was 0 for 4 inside the arc. Like, I don't understand how, you know, with his athleticism, he's kind of wasting his current talent in terms of, you know, whether it's a jump shot or getting to the paint. I mean, he should, and he's a decent free throw shooter. Went 2 for 2 in this game, but he should draw more fouls, it seems like. He didn't really rebound in this one either, and Steven, outside of, did he, I think he made a three in this one, yeah. So it, it wasn't a whole lot he did, but like I said, when you're, you expect your two guys to carry you, but you don't get other contributions consistently. Yeah, you're just you're just not going to win. And Noah, let's jump in now to what we think, if you have it on you, what we think the minutes uh, or the rotations, the minutes, and who should really finish the game at some points of the season. Yeah, I, uh, I, I text. We were texting yesterday talking about it because uh, we didn't talk any any Saturday night because you probably knew I was too pissed off about what happened in the playoff game, but uh. Yeah, it's just what we thought at this point. The thing is, I I told you yesterday how many times did we hear Brian say there was going to be some different lineups depending on matchups throughout the season or before the season. Too many times, and besides uh, since the Paradise Jam, we haven't seen any changes. They're just riding for what we have. And uh, what I think it is, and you kind of you said seemed about right, um, I think at this point we need to play the guys that's going to give us our best chance and give us try to get that maybe change some things off the bench. Um, I I said that we need to go with Dalton, Lance, Troy, Marcus, and Kyler. Um, I said Dalton's going to play about twenty five minutes. Which uh, do you have the box score in front of you? How many minutes did Dalton play this I think game? Twenty six. Twenty six. I said Lance needs to play about thirty two. Had uh, thirty one. I said Troy needs to play about twenty three. Twenty three. Uh, Marcus thirty six. Thirty three. Kyler twenty. Uh, starting on the dot. So that's uh, more offense. Um, then off the bench, I had Steven coming first off the bench with about 16. At 15. Cash, 14 minutes. At 22. JD, 14 minutes. 12. Trent, 12. 14. Then Anthony, 8. 5. Because uh, that that lineup, that obviously the, the starting lineup I went with is their best lineup so far right now. And uh, maybe that brings that freeze, maybe that freeze more Steven and Cash or and JD's energy off the bench, and maybe Trent and Anthony can get going as well. But uh, I just think if we're not going to be able, this is, I told you, this is one of the worst offensive teams. If we're not running a set, I feel like it's just the the offense is just stagnant, not moving the ball, and it's killing us, and it's going to end up killing us. And I, if if you're if you're not going to get Anything out of Steven and Cash, and they're just going to disappear and not shoot, and not sh- or Steven's not going to shoot the ball. Um, if you're not going to have anything out of those two guys, this team's going to end up being a below 500 ball club and automatic Thursday night team. It's unfortunate because when you don't get the inconsistencies, can drive a team down, obviously. And, and that's we could play on Thursday because of those reasons, like. Mark and I can understand in the offense, like when it comes down to it, they give it to Marcus to make a play. He's a great passer. I doubt he leads the conference in assists at this point, but the fact that he's doing that and can score, and I can understand Brian relying on him to do all of that. And granted, the Drake game he didn't know how much time was left. He's got to be more aware in a lot of facets. Um, I can understand that. And then you kick out to shooters that we do have if the opportunities are there. Uh, and I, I still will take his chances against not a whole lot not against everybody there's a lot of bad matchups for Marcus obviously but 
Uh, if he can create, get to the foul line, which that'll be one of the takeaways here, should get to the foul line a lot more than he does. He is one of the best players in the league. We see all these other great players get the benefit of the doubt. Marcus gets that at times, but not enough, especially on certain actions and drives. He needs to, like there was one point in the game where he got at the top of the key. There was a whole open paint. Uh, it was kind of late in the shot clock, but he drove it and uh, drove easy on the guy. So he's got a great first step. Sometimes it could be for a, for a uh, travel, but he can get to the paint with ease. We talk about the flight that he has. Uh, he can easily draw a foul or make it. Uh, I think that's something they got to, and like we said with Steven, they have to draw up more stuff for our best shooter. And then Marcus have these easier opportunities where he can face up and beat a guy off the dribble instead of just sticking with the paint. A lot of things. And I, I would think that Brian watches these and knows, even though we keep saying the same or keep seeing the same stuff. Uh, and I think at this point, things got to change. And I hope we see differences starting tomorrow and Thursday. Uh, but going back to the rotation that you had, it is about perfect because if you have Steven and Cash off the bench with their ability to score at times, you can have that on your bench compared to having Troy, who's not going to score a whole lot, or Dalton, who will. Um, but having Dalton Lance, as we talked about, is a great duo together. And that was our peak this season at times, especially recently when they're both on the floor together. Troy, if he can rebound and be, and you can be semi-big with him and Marcus, and then you have Kyler, who has turned it around better offensively than JD, obviously. I agree with that. And, Mark, and Kyler, Kyler and JD, you know, 15 to 20 minutes apiece, and Anthony almost 10 if he's not going to contribute all that well at times. Trent still with his abilities to just be 3 and D and just coming off injury itself. I like the minutes around that 12. And even moving forward, like Chris Knight, we'll get to preview of the Ramblers. Chris Knight's matchup nightmare. You bring JD off the bench to guard a guy like that potentially and, you know, help rebound against him. Because you have Kyler against Jacob Hudson. I like that matchup because Hudson's been struggling. But Steven, six-man, makes too much sense. You can even out your offensively and defensively in this rotation. I think we got it down. I just don't know if we'll see it, unfortunately. So, uh, And you're right, we haven't really, and you said in this, that we haven't really seen a, a change. Dady hasn't been in the lineup since around, I guess, after the Paradise Jam. So we're on the down points of our season, obviously. We're losing four or five. So something needs to change. But, again, I don't, I don't think it will. Um, and he should go in with a with a chip on his shoulder with his old against his old team and his you know in his hometown. It seems like that would always be something. And we'll get to games we had previously there. We almost should have won twice there last season. So uh, yeah, no final thoughts in this game. I'll get some quotes. Yeah, it's just an, another disappointing loss. If if we're not going to figure out what's going on at the free throw line or what's going on consistently, like I said, if we're not if we can't at one time put together almost a complete game and only if we're going to rely only two guys a night playing consistent offensive basketball, um, you're not going to win any more games the rest of the way. We're going to have to figure it out. Um, we almost need like a, almost a complete reset of this season just to um, clear everything, just go play basketball. Cause you know, the way sometimes well not the, not the other night defensively, but you know, this defense can keep us in ball games and hopefully Hopefully we don't look back and uh, some of these games haunt us the rest of the way, especially those two home games with blown late leads. Um, yeah, going in looking ahead, you got those. You got to play Loyola twice in three days. So um, hopefully we haven't dug ourselves too hard, far of a hole um, to be automatically Thursday night. I think that's where I believe we're headed to play as the seventh seed. You play Evansville on Thursday night, and you're gonna you're gonna get. Uh, the two seed, which 
right now would be uh, Missouri State, so that's not good. So we got to figure a way to find out, get out of this hole because uh, you got to be the sixth seed at worst. Yeah, I think the good thing is we haven't played Illinois State uh, yet, and they have a, a big time injury that we'll get to. Uh, you haven't played them yet, you know, so you can get some wins still, and you get Missouri State at home, and granted, you get Drake and you and I on the road. But I think this Loyola stretch has killed us going back to when we had COVID and had the stretch games. And you add Drake in the three out of five, and we barely lose to him. And you add Loyola now the rescheduled game, one of these uh, back-to-back two and three. This isn't, especially in this point in the season where we are struggling, that uh, we don't need any more, you know, back-to-back games at this point. We've talked about, yeah, they're obviously in different circumstances when it comes to the tournament playing three or four or two games and have, however many days like it always is. And, the confidence in the in the team itself and the expectations will be a lot different as the stakes will. Uh, the, I, we obviously think we should at least win one of these games we'll get to, but uh, yeah, I think Valpo, and we'll get to the standings and some of the other scores too, Valpo I think is the team we'll have to fight with for that five and six spot, or definitely the six spot I think moving forward. They're on a little bit of a run. We know the talent that they have, and the other teams are kind of what they are, so all that's still a wait and see for sure, but Seems like we're we are stuck around that five six and will be the rest of the way, barring a big run. Uh, but it seems like that's where we'll be. So, uh, like I said, Valpo's hot. We know we get them next week in a game we will not be able to go to. That'll be a key one at home, knowing that we escaped with one while we were there. Some quick quotes here. Brian said, "Quote: We just didn't start the game or the second half the right way. We can't allow their two best guys to get going like that." Uh, Lance was asked or asked about his performance. He said, I'm starting to get that confidence back. If I'm hitting my outside shot, they're going to play me tight, and I can make plays downhill and create for my teammates. Yes, that is absolutely, absolutely when he is at his best. And Brian said on Lance, he's a great shooter, and I think he's going to continue shooting like this for the rest of the season. We'll, we'll mark him up for that. Hopefully that he is right. Uh, Lance said again, I feel like we – here's a big one. I feel like we were always playing catch-up. Every time we'd get close, they'd go on another run. That seemed like that definitely in the second half. Even in the first half, like we said, we did not have a lead at all in this game. Uh, and he said, Brian, I think in the second half we got a little too stagnant and played a little too much off the dribble. That seems about right, too. So we'll be uh, seeing Bradley down the road at our place. Like I said, it was it was not a great game. We had Mask at 20-9, and nine, and Roberts almost get a triple-double, 18, six rebounds, and seven assists. We knew they were going to be big time or pivotal going into stopping them or containing them, and it wasn't the case. They were definitely the difference because outside of a couple more points on their end, they were the main ones who beat us outside of multiple things on our end. So it is unfortunate. Yeah, we are three and four in conference. Quickly, Noah, we mentioned a lot of them real fast. The lineup that we should see the rest of the way at times, Dalton, Lance, Troy, Marcus, and Kyler, that easily was the best lineup the other night. Uh, the refs were awful. Again, I think we're going to continue to have bad refing in this, in this conference. We always do. Awful touchy fouls. And you got to get them on your side, the benefit of the doubt. Like we said, how Marcus has to continue to play with those fouls. He needs to get to the free throw line a lot more to help his cause. Uh, and Noah, the frenetic pace that the commentators said that they think would favor us, which it does. We kind of play in chaos a lot of the time, especially off of you know second chance points or opportunities. We know Lance hits crazy shot clock beating shots a lot of the time, so that does uh, favor us. I think uh, over a lot of teams in the league. Uh, the bench has continued to be great, and we talked about the no-shows catcher team. A lot of these takeaways, uh, and even um, Anthony barely playing again. He's got to play more. We talked about the minutes he should play maybe, but he's got to be more consistent on his end in those barely minutes. 
not miss free throws. Like we said, he's by far the best shooting free throw shooting big. He needs to do better. And we talked about earlier, Ben Harvey, we miss Ben Harvey right now. He could easily be getting us 15 to 20 minutes if healthy. Obviously, that would fluctuate through everybody else. But his scoring, he could give us 8 to 10 points, you know, and spurts. Maybe not a game, like 6 to 10 points per game. We know his talent offensively. But I'm not sure if he'll ever be the same after dealing with what he is. So we might see him the rest of the season. We don't know. Brian, when he talked to Mike or talked to whoever in the locker room after Indiana State, he said all these 10 guys that play, and he obviously 11 would be with Ben. So I don't think we'll see Ben the rest of the way yet. It is very unfortunate in that regard. He would help us without a doubt. Uh, so we'll see more statuses of him moving forward, Noah. So uh, real fast, let's jump into uh, – some some other quick news before we get into around the valley, Noah. We had a uh, Jake Lieberman had a tweet about some other transfer that we're in on recently or spoke to. Yeah, Jake Lieberman uh, tweeted when was it yesterday about um, trying to think of his name in Eastern Illinois, which we know uh, Simmons Simmons is there now from Evansville coaching. But uh, let's find Henry Abram. Um, he averaged 33.8 minutes per game this season while recording 6.3 points per game, 2.3 rebounds, and 2.7 assists for the um, – says we talked to him and so did South Dakota. So an Eastern Illinois transfer, um, not sure if you want to go after that guy. It's kind of a head-scratcher for me. Um, High-character, coachable guy it seems like, but uh, we, need a, we need a talent upgrade, and that's – and we need some athletes that can score um, like we thought we were getting with Cash and have for the most part of the season, but uh, I would stray away from this kid. Yeah, and even having Cade coming in here with his skill set, you got to add somebody of Cash's kind. Yeah, I agree. That's not a guy we should add, but a guy we should. And I'm looking back to uh, just an update on him, some guy that we honed in on, but he's getting looked at from a lot of other schools. Brian Moore out of uh, uh, Northeastern, what? Oklahoma Community Oklahoma. College. Oklahoma. Uh, he's having a great great career, great season. He's averaging 23 on 52% shooting, about seven assists, three to one assist turnover ratio. He's a good defender. He prevents, shows about 32% of, on his guards, and he averages about three steals a game. Not sure if we'll land him. He'll go a lot bigger, but he's just somebody on the feed here that that would be a great add. Somebody that can play guard and forward, can defend like that, and score like that. Uh, like I said, that, that'll be far-fetched. We also, thought, we also thought Cade was as well, but there could be – there's something, obviously, at landing him. We could pull off the same thing with Brian Moore. We will have to get a guy like Cash moving forward uh, for next season. And down the road, we'll talk about everybody that could potentially leave in the conference that it seemed like it'd be there for the taking. If you add that one guy, it could have you, along with now Cade adding. He changes everything. So, Noah, there's that. Uh, yeah, just real quick um, about a, just a recruiting overall. It's just I feel like every loss this season – um, has been kind of the same thing. We're spotting teams lead, making a comeback, and uh, we get late to those games, and we just don't don't have enough talent there to finish it off. We're relying on two guys most nights to do the scoring for us and not sure when that talent's going to get here. Um, Cade's a big win, um, but we need something else. Uh, Recruiting-wise, I thought we were um, two years ago gaining a lot of momentum right away, having a good season. And obviously, we know what happened last year with an injury and COVID hitting us. But uh, I feel like that recruiting, that recruiting momentum we had is starting to drift away. But um, landing Cade's a big question. But uh, other than that, there's um, we need to go get something else, like a Brian Moore or even better. We need to go get another score. 
Yeah, somebody of that kind of skill set because uh, thinking of obviously we talk about a guard, Dalton. I mean, obviously he it seems he's inconsistent as well. But we think as he gets older, we won't see that inconsistency because uh, he's playing great right now and he's exactly what we need. But a guy that can have guard and forward skill sets at that size, like Cash and Brian Moore, is perfect. But we have to hone in on a guy like a Jason Kent. He's a top-notch talent, but he's just an example of a guy we need to go get. Yeah, it's going to come down to recruiting in that regard. I think they know what they need. So I know there's a guy right down the road from Carbondale if you guys want to go get one. Yeah, Sean East, we've talked about getting looked at from Brad Corny. It seems like he's what we've hear, heard that he's turned them down for the most part, but Brad keeps showing up to his games. Uh, he probably thinks he can go bigger, and rightfully so, I'm sure. But, yeah, it needs to be something in on that. We know we've seen our staff at John A before looking at guys. It just needs to be more consistent because they do have really good talent. Uh, and they will, what, have one loss on the season. They're like second in the country. Two, two now. So they lost recently? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we know they're always good and they have good talent. I need to start look checking in on them. So that's something they just – I think they know what they have to do. And so hopefully they realize that moving forward. So Noah, today Will Keller had an interview with Mike which was good. We know Will has been a great student for sure um, and teammate. He's teammates with a lot of the guys. He's just a great all-around guy to have. Speaking of John A., we know he was on John A. He's from Marion, went to Agape. Uh, good basketball player we've talked about. We've seen him play before. Obviously, he's walk-on, doesn't play. But no way, he said that he had a Mike talk that he had two hip surgeries on both hips dating back to, the, I think he said, the end of 2020. But he says he's completely healthy healthy now, and if they needed him, Noah, he could probably play without a doubt. He said how healthy he is, and we've talked before, it might, might, might be nice to see him in games at times. Yeah, I've said a lot of times sitting there watching, I'd, uh, the way some guys are playing during some stretches, I said, I know you can throw Will Keller in there. He'll give you what, he'll give you some effort, and he'll fight his butt off because uh, we've seen him play um, at John A with, and against top top tier competitions at the JUCO level and he's I guarantee he battled he battled against guys like Sidney Curry and Jamarion Sharp in practice, probably something like that. Um uh, we know we can compete. I just feel like it's it's been a rough go ahead. He spent that whole season in Atlanta um doing those surgeries and stuff, but uh it's I'm glad he's still it's like I think Mike was talking about uh if there's there's any second thought about uh, giving up on it or something. And I'm glad he's stuck with it. Um, he's a, I'm sure he's great to have around. He's a, he's a team guy. Um, hopefully, maybe if we ever uh, can get him in some games, maybe down the stretch, uh, um, get some decent leads, maybe down to the stretch, last minute, get him and Chris Cross in the game because the crowd always loves that. Yeah, the fact that we see Will making so many threes in warmups, and granted, that's not game action. I think when we've seen him play, he's hesitant in-game action but yeah he can come in and defend you know no no worse that no worse than what we've seen even from kyler or even at times with anthony we know jd and jd uses too much of his hands we know in the post and you're right will has played great talent in his last however many years and we could count on him in minutes i think maybe not to score or shoot maybe just when he's open but definitely play defense i'm honestly surprised we don't even have a deeper bench in use and we've seen walk-ons used around the country in all many facets and we do have a three-man big or uh, three-headed monster at bay that we like to use, but it'd be nice to add him. Crisscross, only I could see Crisscross making it in a game, and it's kind of like how we said with Foster. You know, he's got the red shirt on, we're not going to take it off him. When you really need a three and you need all shooters in at the same time, we won't see Chris in those chances. 
like in the tournament, we need all shooters on the court to have a to have some kind of shot with how many seconds left to win or something. But it won't happen. But yeah, I do think we need to see Will at some point at some facet. Uh, and then he said, Noah, he's what was his um, thing? I don't know off the top of my head what his degree is. Something crazy. Um, I'll, like computer engineering. Computer engineering. Yep. He said that he's uh, he has worked on projects recently to help build rockets. He said that he might not work for NASA one day, but then he. Mike said that he kind of, you know, owning his own business and making a lot of money one day is his goal. And like we said, he's a perfect student. I would say he's helped this team GPA, the highest in program history, is a big reason for all that. So we rely on him in that regard. But yeah, it would be nice to see him because he has worked his butt off in his basketball career. It would be nice to see him rewarded at some point, uh, maybe. But these are must-win games moving forward, so we'll see how it all plays out for him. Uh, and you know, you know Will, don't you? I know I've played basketball with him a couple times when we play pickup sometimes, but uh, yeah, I know I know of him. Uh, we played basketball against each other a couple times. Yeah, exactly. He's a great guy, and I think he deserves an opportunity at some point. And Noah, quickly here, there's a guy that I saw on the feed. I guess it was yesterday uh, that had there's a book about read the Illinois basketball version of Hoosiers. Book entitled Rich Heron, a head coach ahead of his time. I think I saw a picture of it or something. Has 154 player interviews, 464 pictures, tell a story of the amazing life of Coach Rich Heron. Uh, uh, obviously, great coach, the best coach SIU's ever had in the good years of the 90s. Uh, we know he passed in the last year. Uh, great coach. I'm sure that's a great book. I just want to talk about that. If people want to go find Matt Wynn, he's in our likes on our page, and go find that book. I'm sure it's really great. He was a great coach and a great man. So. Uh, now, Noah, let's let's get into Around the Valley. Or quickly, Ronnie Watson's on in the doghouse tonight. Everybody listen to that. Ronnie, Ronnie's smart. He deserves a head coaching job. It would be nice to even have him on our current staff to have that veteran with Brian. It would honestly be great. You could still have the other guys to recruit and be that you know that young presence. Uh, but Ronnie knows what he's talking about, and uh, that'll be a great listen to tonight, Watts. Yeah, it will be. Uh, I'm sure maybe um... – He's not on our staff, but I'm pretty sure Brian can. Brian knows he can go to him if he has any questions and um, getting any help from him. I'm sure he was. He does a great job of breaking it down with Mike. So, uh, yeah, that'll be a good listen. I'll make sure to tune into that tonight. Yeah, Rodney's got the specifics when they ask Brian after games. And Brian usually agrees with him every single time. And we know Rodney coached Brian uh, and been on the staff a long time ago with, uh, with Coach Heron, speaking of Coach Heron. So, Ronnie does a great job. That will be a great listen tonight. So now, Noah, around the valley, some scores. Not really a surprising one. Like we said, we've been high on this team that went into Chicago and got a big dub. But what are the scores been around the valley? Yeah, Friday night, uh, Evansville went on the road at Illinois State and got embarrassed 94-56. Antonio Reeves uh, led the way with 16 with um, Kendall Lewis with 14. So, uh not not even close. I think it was ten and half time. That's as close as it got at one point, I think. So um not nothing 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 surprising there. Um then on Saturday, uh, Valpo went on the road at Indiana State, got a seventy five seventy three win. Um no Cooper Knee, so Indiana State shorthanded again, but Cam Henry was back, twenty five points from him. But uh Ben Crickey led the way with twenty one. Yeah, he's getting in the groove more, and we've seen Kevion Taylor get going. He didn't shoot well from three, but he's starting to score, something that he didn't do against us, and relying on the freshman a lot. Uh, a lot of minutes from the freshman, only putting up three points. 
and Aaron Gordon is yet to be a factor for them. It's surprising. Trevor Anderson did play. He's been dealing with the back, him and Kithier, that uh, Lodick had said today. Sheldon Edwards has been hit, uh, hot or cold, and Kithier wasn't great in this game either. Yeah, so they, they escaped, and you're right, Kim Henry was back. He would We would have lost if he played against us the other night. That's how good he was, uh, or good he is. So, yeah, it's that was a game of the Indiana teams, and Valpo should win a game like that. Indiana State's a great home team. Valpo will hit their stride here. And the two big ones Saturday night, um, like you mentioned, Missouri State went on the road at Loyola. Isaiah Mosley, 40 points. He, he put on a show. Um, a 79-69 win for Missouri State, a big one. Um, yeah, Isaiah Mosley, Donovan Clay added 16. Gage Prim had 11. Um, so uh, that's that's a win over an AP top 25 team, and I know I know we uh, it probably won't happen, but if there's a chance, uh, if they don't win the tournament, if they could get in, they could make some noise with the talent they have. This is the most talented team in the valley, and they showed it Saturday night. They have the only hope right now. They played a good non-com, but if they can win the valley and it comes down to them Loyola, let's say Loyola, even saying that they're out of the top 25 now, but uh, People are saying that they still have an at-large chance. So, you know, you know, if they continue to play well, obviously, hopefully they don't this week. And I guess that would hurt them if they lost to us once or twice. Uh, but Missouri State is such an offensive juggernaut that they can they can be in the NCAA tournament and win a game. But I don't know how hit or how hot or cold they could be. The fact, no, that they can go in and shoot 54% from the field against a great Loyola defense, that says a whole lot. Isaiah Mosley was Andy Katz's player of the week. Uh, and around the whole country, and he's getting a lot of national attention. Um, and he played every minute of this game. He didn't come out. And uh, Coach Dana Ford said today that they kind of gave Isaiah the ball and just let him go and let him do his, his own thing. He also had eight rebounds. But, no, something I'm noticing with Mosley is he's a great shooter, but he hasn't been relying on the three-pointer as much. He only went three for seven in this game, uh, but he's getting anything he wants inside of the paint, whether it's jump shots or at the rim. I think that shows most of how elite of a player he can be. Uh, and then he, uh, Ford was also asking about Donovan Clay. No, as we know, he dominated Marcus defensively. And that's something that he says was the missing piece to this team was adding a guy that can go out and guard anybody on the court. And Donovan Clay can do that and playing 38 minutes had 16 along with his great defense. He is the difference maker that they need. Yeah, you're right. And we've said before, we are the only team that seemed like that were high on them. Because when you add a guy like Clay and you have the other two stars, that they can beat anybody and they can beat a lot of teams in the country. It seems like the way they play, uh, incredible. Uh, who stuck out? Braden Norris is scoring for them, so we'll dive into Loyola. They are really deep. They were 10 deep again in this game. A huge win for Missouri State, putting them on the map. They are the team to beat in the end, I think. Yeah, they're still without Demarcus Sharp, which is another good guard for them. And uh, as soon as we got off the uh, podcast uh, Friday night, um, I seen it right away. Keaton Hervey is a has transferred out, so that's another another guy. Yeah, he's a killer. Of yeah, he killed us last year, so another guy um, will be without. They only played uh, eight guys deep at Loyola, but they got the top five that can play forty minutes a night if they need to. That's what I was going to say quickly. That if they if they're playing forty minutes and all these minutes and they only have three bench guys, that could be their downfall. Me, it could be uh, fatigue at the end of the year. That's something to watch. I think. Yeah, then another overtime game for the Valley, which is feels like every time we t- go around the Valley, there's an overtime game. Um, Drake went on the road at Northern Iowa. Still no Tank Hinfel. Um, you and I get 
Uh, A.J. Greenback had 27, but it's not enough. Um, 82-74 win. Roman Penn helps the Bulldogs pull away late. I honestly can't believe it got to overtime when you look at the box scores. You and I had spread scoring, but even Noah Carter shot one of nine from the field. Wasn't enough. I mean, outside of, I mean, A.J. almost outdid the other players on the team, it would seem like. Like I said, spread scoring, but not enough. And you have Drake, all their starters at 10 or more. DeVries. Uh, DeVries shot awful. One of 10 from three, but he had 11 rebounds with 11 points. Noah Garrett starts. I mean, if they, I don't even know. It seems like you want to give him MVP. That's how great he is because he had 10 rebounds. At his size, that's just how gritty he is. We saw it that other night. But 16 points, Noah, and four assists, six of eight, and doing it all without a three-point shot. That, he, is, he is an elite glue guy. He is. He's a uh, he's a feisty dude. He 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 doesn't give up on any play, and uh, he's 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 looking to earn um, probably maybe third team All Valley. It's it, it seems like he's he's arguably the best player on their team because Wilkins hasn't been consistent. Penn's been dealing with an injury, even though he had 18 on 17 shots, and DeVries is shooting not a great percentage right now. Murphy's took a step back overall, not really, and Brody even though DeVries said Brody's been good for them and had been good. Uh, but it, the stat sheet doesn't show it. But, yeah, Sturt's definitely on his pace on pace to be an All-Valley team member, without a doubt. Uh, and then Sunday's game, though. Yeah, then uh, a return just like we are this week, two games in three days. Um, Illinois State went on the road at Evansville. Um, Evansville picks up their first win, maybe probably their only win in Valley play, 56 53 game. Uh, Shamar Gibbons led the way with 18. Reeves did have 23. But the biggest news on this game was uh, Cy Chapman um, going down with an injury. Only played uh, 17 minutes in this game. That's a big loss. Uh, Lewis struggled. And uh, that takes it, that, t- that hurts him a little bit. Uh, Freeman with another good game. But uh, yeah, that's not a game you can lose if you're Illinois State, especially where you're battling in the standings. Yeah, and I wonder when that Chapman injury happened to where Evansville was able to pull away. Uh, they do seem, because like even uh, Dan said in the today that, well, he's going to have an MRI, I think he said today or tomorrow. He's going to be out for a while. Uh, it stinks him being a senior and being able to go out like this, potentially on a team that can compete and go on a run, you know, at their best. And he's their leading rebounder and second leading scorer. And we talked about him that he was going to be a, uh, someone for us difficult to deal with down the road, and so I'll throw on a lot of other guys. I think that does sink them, and them losing to Evansville helps us because we know if it's not Valpo on our heels, it's Illinois State, and uh, Indiana State and Evansville can be down near the end. But yeah, Illinois State losing was big for us moving forward. But if they Mark Freeman's been back though in scoring, so he's got to carry more of the load. It'll be interesting. Uh, Josiah Strong I think has to come up big for them and fill that road. He'll be in the starting lineup now, so it'll be interesting. Even Dan said that even like guys like Ryan Schmidt and other guys will have to fill in and uh, take his spot. He promised he will not be in the next game, and he'll be out for a while probably. Yep, then jumping into standings before we dive into the Ramblers, uh, Loyola still at the top at 5-1. and one. Missouri State right behind them, 6-2. and two. Drake, 6-2. and two. United dropped to 5-3. and three. Bradley's at 4-4 four and four in fifth place. Um, we're at 3-4 and four in sixth, right behind us at 3-4. and four. Illinois State in seventh. And Valpo is three and five, so um, two losses in the Indiana State, then Evansville one and five, one and six. Uh, two losses this week uh, gets you right down there. You could drop to maybe uh, eighth place. Yeah, and that's why I said I think Valpo uh, 
can't think off the top of my head who they play coming up. But Bradley. Uh, and that'll be a great game, Valpo and Bradley. But it's so close. I think, you know, you and I could even drop off. I think those top three will end up being the top three. And Missouri State already beaten them at Loyola. They'll have the tiebreaker. And if they can stay with them in that aspect, getting them in Springfield will be key. Uh, like we said, it'll come down to, like I said, you and I through Valpo can fluctuate or uh, when Illinois State drops off with that injury potentially. But, yeah, it's, it's going to be battles the rest of the way, and it's it's going to be one of those how close it is. Can't give up yet, obviously. It, it stinks, really, that we have to play Loyola twice in three days in our roughest stretch of the season, like we've said, because you could easily be three and six. Uh, obviously, you want to win one of these, but we know how good they are. And you know the, how bad it's been going. It's getting worse. Happened to play those. Happened to play Loyola twice. So um, unfortunately, like we said, Valpo and Bradley beat up on each other. It's going to be a crazy middle of the pack of the valley the rest of the way. I mean, anything can happen to make anything uh, different as time goes on. So uh, we want to talk about. Yeah, we talked about the pressers that they had today. Pretty much, uh, we covered everything big that everyone talked about. That every team we have so far. Uh, think about us, Noah. Harry Schroeder, or Schrader, that does a great job in the OBC and NBC. He asked the best questions on the day, uh, and but he asked about uh, Kyler, which we discussed earlier. Also, obviously, of how big he's been coming, and you know, being that paint scorer that Brian said that we need and stuff. But then Noah, he was also asked about uh, playing Loyola on back or twice in three days, and he even asked. Uh, it was a uh, old boy, Jake Siegel from WSIO, that asked even Drew Valentine the same question. Uh, about playing uh, teams like that close, and even uh, or as many days. And Drew mentioned that, especially with Brian, he did call him a great coach. That he said uh, it'll be it will be tough in that regard. We know they know each other really well. Clearly, I think, uh, and there can be. Uh, what do you, what are your opinion on playing the team? Obviously, you get back to back, and you know what you need to improve on for the next. But what's your opinion on playing a team two out of three days? Can it benefit you or what? Yeah, obviously, we're like Brian said, we're used to it from last year with COVID having those Valley games um, on back-to-back days, so stuff like that. But in my opinion, I think it's it it's easier because it's a less scout. Um, you can do less. You can uh, you can make you make that original scout and what you go by. Um, you can make adjustments from that, and it, I would I think it's going to help us, especially. Um, since we get that second game at home, that's a more of an advantage for us, I would say. But uh, yeah, I think it, I, I think it could help us. Yeah, and even it's it's funny just and you know Drew getting asked that question, knowing that he can beat everybody, and he even said uh, his team's got to you know after a loss like that that they have to uh, be short term memory uh, so they can forget about it, and move on. He doesn't think that'll be an issue, but he said you know we've played with two top ten teams this year, and other than that, we've done pretty well. Obviously, their confidence is through the roof in general. So when you ask him a question like that, knowing how good his team is, that you know, you know, going in versus us, they obviously know they can beat us. And if you ask Brian the same thing, it's like, well, this could be our season facing them back to back. Totally different, different perspectives between the two coaches and how they view their teams and the success and their matchups in this game. It's interesting, uh, and it's kind of sad thinking of kind of opposite sides of the spectrum in that sense. Uh, we know Brian's confident in the guys, and we know you're right. Having that home game, the last game, if you could steal one up there on short notice and have them travel back, even though you do the same kind of traveling, it'll be interesting. Uh, so now, Noah, uh, nothing else around the Valley, right? So now let's right. jump into the Ramblers. Yeah, um, a top 25. This is a top – I know they dropped out, but this is a top 25 team in the country. Um the sad part is that they are pissed off, so it's even a bigger 
bigger bigger challenge for us because you know they don't want to lose two games in a row, especially at home. Um, but uh, they got eight guys over averaging over six points a game, and that's not even counting Keith Clemens, who's barely played. He's barely played a little bit this year, playing 15 games, but barely getting in the game. But, uh, yeah, Lucas Williamson, we all know who he is, averaging 12, point, 12 points a game. Um, he's a the probably going to be, I don't know what, I'm sure he's playing good defense, probably defensive player of the year again, back-to-back years. Um, transfer, Ryan Schweiger, um, 10.7 points a game. He's a lethal killer. We know we all know what Braden Norris is doing. Um, Ugok, who's done a really good job, he's he's taken his offensive skills to another level this year without a Krutwig there. And Marquise Kennedy, Chris Knight, who's a matchup nightmare, like you said. Then Jacob Hudson, we know what he did to us last year. Then Tate Hall. Tom Welch, St. Thomas. This is a really loaded team. Um, I don't think they uh, – they're a really loaded team. I don't think they have the starting five talent as Missouri State, as it showed a little bit the other night. But uh, this is a really good team. Yeah, and even Drew said in his presser that uh, it's an elite trait of being able to have that depth. And even though I've seen people in comments of Loyola fans saying that St. Thomas should play more, uh, you know, guys like that, and even Schwieger's been kind of up and down, but he's been great. Him and Chris Knight, we've talked about Chris Knight. Uh, he leads him in blocks, and uh, obviously, yeah, he is a mismatch. You know, and someone, obviously, that we know has killed us before. He was really good in the Sweet 16 run a year ago. Keith Clemens, I think he said he's worked into the starting lineup and playing a lot better, even though in 15 games he's only averaging nine minutes a game with two points. It's interesting the kind of season he's had, but we can expect him to dominate us. And even Jacob Hudson, though, I think we expected a lot from him as, you know, being that other third really good big with Kyler and Mast in the conference. Uh, he's been hit or miss, but obviously he starts for them still and still makes an impact. And he only averages two two rebounds a game. So I think that's an, that's somewhere that I think we could have an advantage at when he's in the game, when Kyler's in the game. Score on him, even though he's good, but he's struggling. I think that's something we got to – uh, take advantage of, and like I said, Chris Knight and him even each other out in minutes. Uh, we know Thomas Welch plays as well, so that's really what they go with with Big outside of Ugog, who has took his game to another level. He's been inconsistent in that regard too, but we know he's an elite defender. He will be guarding Marcus Damask. I think we can go ahead and write that down as a sure fire, and that could give Marcus struggles in these two games. Uh, Ugog might be the best defender they could throw on him. You could throw Lucas or Ugok, and it could be a problem for Marcus, even more than what we've seen him struggle with this year. And Lance and Norris, that will be a matchup to see. Uh, both of them are fiery guys. Schwieger is a mismatch for us as well. It's, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be – they got to. I'm thinking who should guard Lucas because I don't know if we can count on Cash to guard him or Steven or Marcus. So I think this could – just thinking about the matchup scare me a lot and the fact that Brian's going to have to put on his defensive cap like we have this season and, and do it all. I mean, we've talked about Tate Hall's ability to score and even Marquise Kennedy, you know, who killed, who kills us as well. I mean, this is just a matchup nightmare. Yeah. They score 77 points a game. They allow 63. So that's a plus 14 um, right there. They shoot 50% from the field. They shoot, um, they only shoot 73 from the line, but uh, they shoot 39% from three. Um, they're plus three on the boards. Um, they turn the ball over 11 times a game, which is a lot more than I expected. So it's going to be an uphill battle, especially, like I said, they are pissed off. They're not going to want to lose two in a row, especially at home. Um, this is going to be a tough one. 
Yeah, and I will say that's the one thing we can take positive going into this game is that they have struggled at home, uh, which in the end doesn't mean a whole lot. You know, teams scuffle. It's just their, their scuffles have been weird, but their ability to finish games in that regard because the Bradley and Valpo game, Bradley went to overtime, they won, and Valpo double overtime, they won. So they managed to to run away with it at the very end. Missouri State just has too much talent. When you have a guy scoring 40, it's tough to overcome itself. So they are scuffling at home, uh, but they're also a really good road team. So in general, they're just obviously they're one of the best teams in the country. We know that. They've played like it. They have played two top 10 teams. Uh, and they beat San Francisco, who's deemed a tournament team as well. So it's going to be a definitely an uphill battle. It's gonna, they shoot 50% from the field, yeah, and they, they're right behind us in points again, points allowed. I, I guarantee you elite defense. Marcus will struggle in this game, I would imagine. So, no, I don't see a spread at all. I don't think they have it yet. Whether you see it, the, the uh, bas- basketball power index from ESPN has them winning 93%. Uh, talk about uphill battle or underdog in that one. Yeah, I do not. I do not have a spread either. But I do know Missouri State was an eight-point dog on the road the other night, so put us about fifteen. I'd say about twelve, thirteen dog. Uh, like we said, it's a different story. No, as we do recall, we talked about it. Uh, Lance almost carried us to two victories there back to back. At the end of the season, they won in overtime by seven. Lance had that th- those thirty points, and we overcame a fifteen-point deficit, sent it to overtime, and then the other game was close as well. And obviously not having Lance or Marcus against them in the tournament, they killed us. Uh, they're obviously just a different team. They're a deeper team. It's scary, to be honest, that they would be this good without Cam, uh, with everything Cam was able to do. And I'd love to give an update, get an update on what Cam Crutwick's doing nowadays. Uh, but yeah, talk about the ultimate. This game will be on Bally Sports Midwest, by the way, and obviously Chicago Networks and ESPN+. Plus. Uh, so, and we recall one of the games... It was actually the home game we had against them was going to be on ESPN2 before it got canceled. So, uh, yeah, definitely uphill battle. Like I said, elite defensive team and elite all-around team. That's why we would love to have Ben Harvey to have his scoring and just depth in general. Uh, we can match them in the amounts of guys, but their talent from top to bottom is head and shoulders above a lot of teams. Like I said, Noah, the only hope in this game is the fact that they have scuffled at home. And if you can work any magic, Noah, we're going to have to rely. We have... We could get we'll get blown out by twenty if we don't have some of our guys show up. And honestly, I, I have a bleak outlook in this game. It would seem like just because the matchups are tough. So, what are your final thoughts? Yeah, you, looking ahead, you gotta you gotta steal one of these, and I would I would hope you would steal the one on Thursday night at home. But uh, yeah, either one you gotta steal because looking ahead, you don't want to dig your hole and you're gonna be three and six in the conference, looking about seventh or eighth place in the standings. Um, that's too big of a hole, in my opinion. Um, playing another stretch here before we get the Sunday against uh, Sunday against Valpo at home. But yeah, we gotta we gotta find our way to steal one of these. I think um, they've like you they've started really slow, just like us. So it might be an ugly start to the game for both teams. But, uh, but they can finish. Yeah, but they know how to finish. Uh, we did that against Indiana State. But um, if we're ever gonna put a complete game together and steal one, it's gotta be now. Yeah, I just think looking at the the talent mismatch, I think that just says a lot. With their talent or with the success they've had, they're going to bring in guys, so that'd be a mismatch for a lot of people. How Dana Ford landed four-star Isaiah Mosley is beyond us, and he landed Prim from the JUCO. So they've built that, but just looking like obviously our talent's going to you know not be anywhere close to theirs in general, and that's just the way of the road, whether it's like that now or in the future. I think that's just what it can be unless we can obviously knock them off and go on a run. 
it's just a bad mismatch for us. Yeah, we'd have to win the game on Thursday if we don't win tomorrow. Because, uh, Noah, looking ahead, yeah, you're right. We finish with Valpo next weekend or get them at home, which I'm confident, even though they're they're rolling. We host Missouri State at a struggling and hurt Illinois State at UNI, which will be tough. But we have Evansville at home, Bradley at home, at Indiana State, and then a back-to-back with Illinois State. That's where we could go on a run sometime in February before we go to Drake to end it. But it will be huge on getting one of these games for sure. And debating whether we should have a uh, post game in between, like on Wednesday, or just cover them both at the end of it. We could talk about. Depends how it goes. Yeah. The first, if, if we get blown out, we're not going to do that. We're going to wait till after the fact. If we win, we'll have one on Wednesday. Because in general, or if it's close, because we seem like we might want to have a, uh, a recap and then what like the team could do different for the next game. We'll see. Uh, like I said, it could definitely, I'd say it'd be more of a blowout than anything else. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong, Noah. So, so we don't have, I, I guess I would take Loyola minus the points. I, if it was like 15, I'd take us plus because that's still a huge number to an extent. And we've managed to play close games a lot. I think we can make it not be that bad. I'd say the, what do you think over under would be? And do you think, which one would you take? I would take the under. Because uh, both teams, uh, we don't have we're, we don't have the offensive firepower to stay with the team like this. So if it does hit the over, because we get blown out and they hit they hit a really high mark like in the eighties, but uh, I'd take the under. I'd say it'd probably be set around like one thirty eight or something. Think of a dog that you think will have to make a difference in this game. It's got to be Steven or Cash. If you don't get any anything from those two, you're getting beat by twenty five. Yeah, just like we said. It, Chris Knight's a bad mismatch. He could kill us. Just think about from top to bottom. You can get these guys struggling. They do struggle. But you have to be able to guard and be disciplined defensively and be efficient on offense and make your dang shots and have guys. Yeah, you can't. you got to have at least every guy from five to ten points across the board or you will get blown out. Trent Brown's going to have to play a factor. Everybody will. It, it, it'll have to be a group effort because they will be a group effort. That's, that's, that's all said and done, Noah. So. Uh, like we said, if we get blown out, we'll see you guys on Friday or on uh, yeah Friday preview in Valpo. If if we win or keep it close, we might have one on Wednesday, but really expect one for Friday. So until then, I'm Nick Malone. No alerts. Go dogs.